This is the EWN Podcast Network. You are listening to Sharing Stories with Helen Rose. My guest today is the lovely Jackie Rainforth with uh, Rainmakers Business Solutions. Jackie, you have a cool story. Remember when I first heard it, I was like, oh my God, really? And welcome to Sharing Stories with Helen Rose. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Helen. So excited to be here. Well, so tell me where it all started for you that brought you to where you're, what you're doing today. Uh, Tell that story, baby, because when I first heard it, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Oh, the tutu story. The tutu story. And I remember when I first saw you because (laughs) you had a tutu and when you get on stage and and uh, it, it's like, this woman has a tutu and it just grabs your audience right away. I love it. Okay, I'll stop talking. <laughs> tutu and a scuba diving mask. Yeah, yeah that was me. Right yeah, crazy yeah. woman up on stage. That was me. Uh, in 2016, my husband and I went on a holiday down to Cozumel, Mexico. I had never been scuba diving before. And I thought, oh, my husband said, hey, do you want to go scuba diving? And I'm always up for something fun. I'm like, yeah, let's go for it. He had been scuba diving. I had not. So we did the lessons and I did the stuff in the pool and I did the stuff in the shallow dive. And, and then uh, it was the day, the big day where we go in the boat and you take the 20 minute ride out and, and then they pop you off the back of the boat with all this stuff on. You feel like you're like, you know, back in medieval days with all this armor on and you weigh a ton and poof off the back of the boat, you go down, 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 down. And you see, Oh, it was heaven. It really was. It was beautiful. All the fish and the colors. And I mean, it was magnificent. Down I am. I'm down there and I'm just having the time of my life. And my husband and I are looking around and we weren't down there very long. One of the guys that we were diving with said, hey, Jackie, can I take your picture? You know, in, you know, scuba diving motion. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So he takes my picture and I do my really bad Fonzie imitation. And I, because I wanted to capture it because this was really something spectacular. This was my bucket list. This was one of those things that I wanted to remember. So of course he takes my picture and him and my husband turn around and they start swimming off and they've got the flippers on. So off they go. I turn around and I thought I couldn't, I I couldn't breathe. And I thought, oh, I must have swallowed water. And then I start, you know, doing what we women often do. No, you idiot, Jackie. What'd you do? You swallowed water, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I'm thinking, okay. And I look for my husband, but he's way off now. Right. He has these flippers on. So he's going pretty fast. I'm thinking, Oh, what have you done? But I thought, okay, he can't help me. So, Oh, right. They teach you what to do. They teach you, you're supposed to blow in that regulator thing. So I blow in the regulator and thinking, okay, everything will be good now. And it wasn't. So I thought, Oh, wow. Uh, maybe I did it wrong. I better try it again. It's like blowing the regulator again and it's not working. I can feel my lungs filling up, filling up, filling up. It's getting higher and higher. And next thing you know, I can feel myself kind of slipping and then boom, I'm out. I feel myself crossing over. I see this big, beautiful white light. I feel this. It's like a warmth that just wraps me like this incredible, incredible blanket. Like it's just the most incredible feeling. It was, oh, it was, it was magnificent. It really was. And I just, oh, it was, it was amazing. It was the most incredible feeling. And I was just loving it. 
And all of a sudden, my husband is right in front of me, but I'm kind of confused because he was like way off in the distance. But now he's right in front of me. He's kneeling down and he's sad and he's waving goodbye. And I'm thinking, what's going on? He's waving goodbye. And then all of a sudden it, it dawns on me, right? I can't breathe. I see the bright white light. He's saying goodbye. And that's when I start begging for my life. I'm looking up and I'm saying, please, no, please. You know, and, you know, I talk about it, but believe me, I mean, I was, I was frantically, emotionally begging for my life. I was, I don't want to go. I'll do anything, please. I've, I, I, I promise I'll do what I need to do. I'll be better. I'll do better. I'll whatever. I'll, I promise. And, um, it's, it's, it's pretty emotional. It's, um, anyway, I, next thing, you know, I'm, I'm there. And as quickly as I went out, I come back and the, the dive master, he, sh- I come to, to him, wait, shaking me, shaking me. And he's tapping on my mask with his fingers and he's trying He's trying to get my eyes to focus on him. He later told me that he had seen my body go limp and he had seen my eyes roll to the back of my head. He gives me his oxygen and I still can't breathe. He gets me up to the top. He can't just let me go straight up because of course I, you know, there's problems with that, but he gets me up and gets me on the boat and, and I'm up on top. I'm, you know, they get all the the equipment off and I'm coughing and I'm just, I'm coughing. It's a really deep, deep cough. And I said, water, water. And he, gets me in this water. He goes, we have to get you to the hospital. I'm like, oh no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. And I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. I'm, oh, let's go back in, you know? And I, and he's like, no, we need to get you to the hospital. I'm like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Meanwhile, my husband has no idea that anything's going on. And, and I'm like, oh, let's go, let's go. And he's like, no, no, I think, I think we better keep you. And long story short, I ended up um, spending three days in critical condition, clinging to life, I had a rare condition where my body can't tolerate negative water pressure. Um, I guess 50% of the people that make it out of the water or 50% of the people die of this in the water. And of the 50% that make it out, 35% die before they make it to the hospital. Um, Jose basically saved my life. He's the dive master that got me out of the water. And um yeah, I've, I'm very, very blessed. I'm Wow. And so uh, two things. I will never go diving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not allowed to go diving. Yeah. Yeah. At yeah. least you know the hard way. So were you a religious person before this? Like to be brought into that white light to me implies that God was coming to get you or higher power or whatever that is for you. But were you? Oh, uh, not always spiritual. Mm-hmm. not, um, you know, not a, um, an organized religion, but always spiritual, always believed, but not, uh, and not probably to the extent that I do now. Yeah, I'm sure not. Much, uh, much more a believer now than ever before. Uh, most definitely. I, I did receive the message while I was, you know, after I, I begged for my life, I did receive a message. And the me- the message I received that day was, Jackie, you've been blessed with many gifts and talents. You haven't been listening to the signs and signals. You need to get out there and help people feel more confident, successful in business and in life. You have a new path ahead. And, you know, while I was in the hospital, I, I, I really, you know, I was hooked up. My body had kind of doubled, tripled its size. I was unrecognizable, really, when you look at the pictures. And 
I look back, I, I didn't really recognize. And what was that, that? What's that from? Apparently, well, what had happened to when I was on the boat, first it was the coughing. That was the first symptom. Then I started to wheeze. And then the third symptom that took place that really kind of made me realize that I was very, very sick was that I started to get this incredible pain in my temple. And I guess what that is, I found out later, is that's a sign that you're, my brain wasn't getting enough oxygen. And I guess, you know, I guess, I don't know, that I was told afterwards that your body just blows up. And so, I don't know, it's just a swelling thing that happens yeah. from okay. whatever. So you're in, the ho- you're in the hospital, you come mm-hmm. out of intensive care for three days, you've been told that, listen, start paying attention. I often tell people that, you know, our uh, life uh, changes course. Sometimes we get to choose it. And sometimes it's like, excuse me, you know? Yeah. I think the word serendipity. Yeah. You're going one way and you're actually going another. Okay. So, so then you're in the hospital and you're grateful to be alive. And did you vow then that, you know, sometimes it's like that enormous shakeup. It's like, um, did you vow then that you were going to do something grand or? I knew immediately, like I just sensed it. I knew immediately that my life was, had changed like in the hospital before, even before, like I knew immediately the minute that I was granted that second chance, I knew that my life had changed and you know, I, yeah, I just knew immediately. So when you're speaking, you wear a tutu, pink tutu. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I think it's adorable myself. Oh, uh, you know, like when I, like I said, the first time I saw you speaking, it it wasn't even your story at first was that you walk on stage with a tutu. I don't <laughs> remember you wearing the the, uh, the goggles, but what is the significance of that tutu? Oh my goodness. When I was a little girl, um, my cousin and I, I think it was probably about five or six. My cousin and I were in ballet class. And there was a Christmas concert coming and they, you know, there were only a few pink ballerina tutu girls that were going to be at the front row. And then, you know, there were other people in the middle rows and at the back, there were going to be the soldiers and the soldiers were going to wear, you know, white Javex bottles, the bot, the tops were cut off and they were turned upside down with the elastic underneath and a big red feather stuck to it. But I really wanted to be a ballerina with the pink tutu. And for a week, I, I was like, oh, please, I did my prayers that night. And I'm like, please, please, I want to be a pink ballerina. I want to be a pink ballerina. And, you know, I was always a bigger girl. And my, my little, you know, cousin Tina, you know, Tina that rhymes with ballerina. And, mm-hmm. you know, she, well, I waited a week and the big, the big day came when they were announcing who got which role. And Sure enough, Tina was the ballerina and I was the soldier in the back row and I was crushed. And one of the things that I think I learned, I know that I learned from this is that we need to follow our dreams. And, you know, we go through life being afraid to do the things that we really want. We go through life letting people tell us, define us. We go through life wearing masks that keep us from being and doing yeah. the things that we want to do that we should be doing, keeping us confined. And through that speech that I do, I wear the pink tutu because at the end I say, Hey, if you want to be a ballerina, 
go out there and wear pink tutu and be, and be a ballerina. ballerina you want to be. Yeah. I love that because it's, it's true. We, we are really in a lot of ways, our own worst enemies because we, we, oh. do, you know, those masks we wear when we've gone into a survival mode at some point in our life, for sure. And I think we all do it. I mean, you know, no one wants to go out and go, actually, I have a really uh, short temper. I'm not very patient. You know, it's like, you don't want to really show that. Right. But it is, it's not even about that. It's just about being your authentic self in having the confidence to do it. And we really do hold ourselves back, don't we? Oh, we do. We, and I think it's, you know, we're afraid. I think because, well, you know, I always talk about three things during that speech. I talk about the people, the patterns, and our, our, our person, ourselves. You know, for ourselves, yes, we absolutely hold ourselves back. We let fear hold us back from doing things that we want to do from, you know, we don't push ourselves through fear. We stay in our comfort zone. And I think, you know, as a sales expert, I see people do it over and over and over again. I see people, professional salespeople go from job to job to job because they're afraid to get out and do sales calls to do cold calls or to pick up the phone and you know, they'll change jobs before they get found out, right? Because so they don't that, want to. Push yeah, fear. so you feel vulnerable. So one of the things is I know that you, um, through your business, you know, you're highly sought after and highly regarded, I believe. Well, I highly regard you. Oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> but one of the things as a business, it is one thing to know your business. It's another one to close the deal. And I think that if you're not a, a a natural salesperson, you feel very vulnerable because you yes. are actually putting yourself out there and you have, you risk that um, rejection, whether it's just a rejection because they've got someone else or they've got, you know, like they'll use someone else's product, all of that. That is a rejection and that hurts. Mm-hmm. And I mean, really, we all are just our own little selves still trying to figure it all out. Oh, well, hey, we all fear rejection. And it doesn't matter if it's sales, if it's asking someone out on a date or, you know, or trying something new. You know, we all have that little, that little person inside of us that says, oh, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I don't belong. We all have that little person inside of ourselves and we need to push past that. We also, you know, one of the things that I always ask someone is, when you go into a shoe store, do you like every pair of shoes that you see on the shelf? No, of course not. And why? Because, you know, that shoe isn't right for us. It's not always the right fit. That fit, you know, we might not be the right fit when we're selling our, our goods or services for that person. Right. That person right. might not be the right fit for us. If you're going on a date, that person might not be, you know, you might not be the right person for that, yeah. you know, that yeah, yeah, date yeah. or vice versa. It's just about fit. But what happens is we take it personally and we shouldn't. We're just not that right pair of red stilettos. That's it. We're well, just not that right fit. That yeah, right pair that's beautiful. And that's really well said because it's very true. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't appeal to every single person. First of all, how exhausting is that to be <laughs> that person for everybody you meet, right? Yeah. Talk about losing yourself, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the people that I always imagine, it's like, you know, the call centers when they're calling, I don't, you know, they'll call and they're selling whatever they're selling. People are so rude to them. And I know this because I've been rude to some of them. And I actually had someone say to me one time, you know, let them do, they get paid 
to close the, not close the deal, but close the call. And yeah. don't hang up on them. This is how, you know, you know, wherever the call centers are placed, some people are making their money, right? But boy, do you ever have to have a strong backbone to have people hang up, call you names, do all that. I could never be a salesman. I'd be crying all the time because I'm so afraid of, I would be really hurt that someone thought so little of me to hang up on me or call me, you know, bleep, 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 right? Well, and I think it's because there's a couple things that go on there. One, it's aggressive sales tactics and people do not stand for that anymore, right? People don't like their personal time being interrupted for one. You know, I think it's the approach. A lot of the call centers aren't, they're just, they're not training properly in terms of, you know, interrupting people's times, you know, instead of, instead of starting off with an apology and say, Hey, listen, I know I'm interrupting your time. You know, can I please have five seconds? I promise I'll be quick. Right. Instead of starting off with that, they start off with, Hey, and I have this great, you know, air conditioning deal, right. Or air, air, air furnace cleaning deal, right? Like, It's the approach. It's, it's that aggressive sales technique and people cannot stand it and they're very resistant to it. They don't like it. And what you give is what you get. And I think, you know, that's why I've been so successful because I train one, I do step-by-step simple, repeatable processes. So people know what to say. It comes off naturally and authentic. It's simple so that you can remember it, you know, and you repeat it over and over again, you get repeatable results over and over again. And, and so, I heard this great, just this great term recently called pitch slapping, P-I-T-C-H slapping. And I thought, oh my God, that's brilliant. Because I know for me, (laughs) for me, and I would love to be that person that comes up with all these new sayings. But for me, like if I go go shopping into a dress shop or, and I just want to look around, I don't want to be pounced on the moment I'm in the door. If I want to buy something, trust me, I will buy it. And I think that's probably true for everybody. Yeah. Um, and it's just become, you know, you get your hackles up. And I think it's, oh. it's like, I, you know, if you're at a networking event, I just really, networking event is not the place for you to do your selling. I just, no. maybe you want to build relationship, it, right? Right. It's, yeah. And, and, oh, yeah. Oh, Helen, Helen, Helen. I go on and on. And people go, oh, let's go for coffee. No, what they're saying is, oh, let's go for coffee so I can sell you on all my stuff. I know. No, 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 no. You do yeah. not want to do it, right? Like you want to meet, uh, oh, I can go on and on about this. Don't get me going. It, you know, people do not want to be sold to. Don't sell people. You have well, to build a relationship. It takes much longer. Yeah. And, you know, you need to meet that person, talk about their kid. You need to find commonality, compliment, get them talking about them. You know, there are lots connection. of things. Connection. And the second time and the third time. And then if your business comes up, then you can talk about it. But, you know, people just dive right in and start promoting their, you know, and uh, yeah, don't get me. Well, it is. It's exhausting. And I think if we're going to do metaphors today, because I want to ask you about something Hmm. that you do is your Lego building uh, concept. Beautiful. I mean, you could do it for Legos. You could do it for, I don't know, Jenga. I mean, there's all (laughs) kinds of building blocks and stuff. So one of the things, though, is that it's like when you're, you're dating, right? You really, people need to slow down and get to know each other and see if there is a connection, not just because they want to date, right? It's like you try the shoes on, you mm-hmm. walk around in the store in them, 
you decide, you know, oh, I don't like this brand or, you know, you have all that stuff. And I mean, it is absolutely right in, in how you approach, because to me, it's, you can look really desperate too. Right. Oh yeah. But nobody knows what to do anymore, Jackie. I mean, I'm not talking about the dating world. I mean, I, yeah. you know, whatever, but it's just like the buying world. How do I know if it's a good deal? If you're just slamming me with your product, maybe I already have, you know, face cream ones is always the one I, you know, I, I'm sure there's trolls on Facebook that go through and go, Oh, look at her skin. And then all of a sudden you get an email or a private message saying, Hey, have you tried this? Hey, and it's always the magic pill. Well, we well know that it doesn't actually exist. It is about building relationships. Talk to me uh, or to our listeners about your concept that you do with the Legos, because I think it's absolutely brilliant. Oh, do you like that one? I do like it. I love it. Yeah. Well, I used to watch my son build Lego towers and he'd, you know, want to build these really, really high Lego towers and he'd build and build and build and then the thing would crash and fall down. And I'd say to him, hey, honey, listen, you have to build a really strong foundation if you want to build a really big Lego tower. And your business is the same. You have to build a strong foundation before you can build a really big business or, you know, anything. Anything needs a strong foundation. And think about your shoes. Even, you know, you go and buy a new pair of shoes, you still have to wear them little bits at a time and break them in before you can wear them, you know, and go dancing for a really long night, right? (laughs) Yeah, don't wear those stilettos if you're going to be out walking six blocks. Exactly. Or, right, you have to wear them little bits at a time. And it's the same thing, you know, you, if you want to have that, you know, have that big conversation about your product and service, you have to still have those little meetings with people where you're talking, building that relationship in little bits and pieces. So if you're going to a network event, every network, you know, you meet Susie Q at a one then you go back, hey, Susie Q, how's it going? How are the kids? How are things? You know, you're asking her lots of questions. You have that commonality. You're finding, you know, compliments, whatever. And you're building that rapport in little chunks at a time. Then as the relationship builds, then you can have bigger conversations. And yeah, I think it's brilliant. And not only does that not only, it uh, doesn't only apply to sales. It applies, one of the things I, uh, one of the terms I use when I'm with people that I work with, it's like, Shaky foundation, shaky house, Mm. right? And so you're absolutely right. You've got to have a strong foundation. And that isn't that part of the sales is that you have that ability to connect with people. You, you know, if you think of all the careers that, that are built on relationship, you know, you even hear it if, you know, I don't know how you, what your experience was with the doctors that after your scuba incident, you have that when a doctor comes in and they're not friendly and it's like, well, that's nice bedside matter. How am I supposed to talk to you about, you know, whatever my bits when you're being, you know, really not that nice. Um, Mm -hmm. Realtors is one that comes to me as they are the Kings and Queens of building relationships because the people we love the most are our realtors and our hairdressers. Would you agree? Uh, Yeah. If they do a job well done. Yes. Yeah. 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 If they do a job well done, that's right. Yeah. 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 But it, when you get the right one, then it's the right one, right? Yeah. And whether yeah. it's the right shoe, whether it's the right realtor, the right hairdresser, whatever, law, lawyer. Yeah. I mean, there's all of it, really. It's, it, it, everything's based on relationships. And since COVID, it's even more important. And I yeah. think the sales approach is softer than ever before. It's not about pitching and promoting. It's not about, you know, it's about serving, not self-serving. It's about giving, not taking. 
you know, there's just zero, zero tolerance for that type of behavior anymore. Yeah. Um, it really is about giving. The pendulum has swung. And, you know, so many people are suffering right now. So many small businesses are going under. 10,000 small businesses have gone under across the country. Yeah. And so many more are, are going under. You know, they, they anticipate another third will go under before this is over. It's huge. It is huge. And families are struggling and struggling in a big, big way. People are, are lonely. People are sick. People are dying. And, you know, you need to be empathetic. You need to be compassionate. You need to be caring. And I don't care what business you're in. That comes first and foremost. Sales is at the back of the bus, baby. It is. And if you are trying to push a product and promote and, you know, take instead of give, be, you know, self-serving, forget it. You're, you're just, you're shooting yourself in your foot. Yeah. And, and people, it'll get, it'll get seen eventually, you know, well, I mean. Hey, I always say you can be aggressive you and you might get the sale, but you won't get it a second time. Yeah. People won't tolerate well, it. And so, yeah. And I think, you know, to that point about people trying to think of, you know, people have these home parties. I don't want to pick on any name in particular, but I know it's like, hey, I'm selling these. I'm not going to name anything just because mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. want to pick on one. Yeah. But it's like, hey, do you want to come to this? You know, the expectation is that they want you to purchase something. And really, I didn't, for me, I don't want to be there in the first freaking place. I sure mm-hmm. don't want to buy it. But now I feel obligated to because this person, you know, I mean, can you speak to that about how people are afraid to say no and they're ultimately so unhappy with the product? You well... I know. I always, I, well, I won't say, I shouldn't say, I always buy something. If it's somebody I, I know and love and respect and, you know, yeah. I've talked to them in, you know, more recently than a year. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing worse when you haven't talked to them in a year and they're just like, oh, I'm having a party. Come, right? It's like, uh, yeah. We yeah. should be able to be comfortable with saying no, though. Right? We should and, be able to. And yeah. I think, you know, I'm getting much, much better at it. I am. But if it's somebody that I, that I know that I appreciate that I appreciate in my life, I do say yes. If it's somebody that, you know, I, I will say no. And I, I think as the older we get, the more, the easier it is to say no. Well, you know where I say no, I say no when it comes to protecting my time. Yeah, That's where I have absolutely zero qualm about saying no, because Time is more important than money to me. It really is. Mm -hmm. And I have, you know, and most of them now are doing things online. So I, you know, to buy something here or there, that doesn't bother me as much as, you know, spending four hours that I could be spending with my family at what I call a hen party, right? That, That to me. So saying no to my time is something I have absolutely no problem saying no to now. Well, and I imagine after your experience, time is, you are fully aware of how precious it is. Well, and, you know, I one of the things that's really changed for me are the, the people that I have in my life. Mm-hmm. That I went through a real, and, you know, I went through my life and I thought, who is really important to me? Because I, I really, and, uh, you know, for some people, they might think this is crazy, but who's an acquaintance? Who's a friend? You know, we go through life and I I always used to say to my kids, you know, there's a difference between a friend and an acquaintance. A friend knows you and loves you and does not judge you. 
they will tell you the truth. You know, you come out of that fitting room and it's ugly. They'll tell you it's ugly. Don't get that. And they should <laughs> right? tell you. They should tell you. <laughs> they should tell you, right? It's but like still. the ones where you walk around, you got spinach in your teeth and no one tells you you've <laughs> yeah. done it all day. Yeah. <laughs> so to that my point, circle, though, yeah. but to my that circle point, very, very small. Yeah, I think that that's true of a lot. And I think you're absolutely right. And Facebook is, and uh, you know, not to pick on Facebook, but that's your friend. I've got 3,700 friends on my Facebook. Really? I don't, I know maybe an unt of them. And I know when I say I know them, I mean, I know them well, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why mm-hmm. we have a private group because then I can share my my big life, my, my life. I'm not going to put it out there. But so, yeah, I mean, that, we're getting off topic, but I, yeah, yeah. yeah. So one of the things when you're doing your sales work with people, training people how to do, is that one of the things that you cover is learn to recognize when someone is saying no. And you know what I mean? Like it's not that constant battering. It's like, no, I'm not really interested in your face cream or whatever. And then they keep telling you. I mean, I used to love it when in the old days <laughs> when you could watch through the malls and they used to have all those little booths and you'd walk by and a guy'd be like, oh, wow, look at your skin. You should try this product. It's like, excuse me? That's probably not a good way to get a sale from me, right? <laughs> oh, they'd always tell me, oh, your eyebrows. Lady, lady, come here. Your eyebrows, yeah. your eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, leave my eyebrows alone. My mother told me not to pluck them when I was Seven and I haven't. So Lisa, I'm quite proud of my eyebrows. Thank you. Do you go over those lessons with people? Those are lessons not how to sell. You know, know, yeah. I, you know what? I teach people to be natural, authentic, Mm -hmm. to be uh, not sleazy. And no one wants to be sleazy. And I think that's one of the biggest fears that people have about selling, particularly business people, small business people. Um, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, they don't want to sell because they don't want to be sleazy. We've all had that. We've all been in the furniture store where someone comes running after us. And even though we need that couch or that new living room table or whatever, they say, oh, can we help you? And we all go, no, right? Talk to the hand. We all do it. Even though we need help, we're all like, no, we're fine. Thanks. We're just looking. Yeah. And we all do it. Even though we need help, we just- And why do we do it? Because Because we don't don't want to deal with that kind of salesperson because we've all had that kind of salesperson. Mm -hmm. No, I teach people how to be natural, authentic, to be genuine so that they know you like you and trust you and to be consultative, to help them with whatever it is, you know, to listen. It's interesting. I've had so many people just even in the last few days say, oh, you've taught me so much. You teach me to listen. I can't believe how simple and quick it happened because- I listened to my client and they, they said, yeah, this is what it was. And, you know, they didn't do a product dump. They didn't go blah, 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 blah. They, this was their problem. And I said, oh, well, this, this, and this. And they said, yeah, okay, we'll take it. Like one of my clients goes, yeah, I got a $26 million deal yesterday because I listened to him. And I'm like, well, that's great. You know? And he goes, but I, you know, I listened. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's what you do, right? It's that easy. It, what it does is it simplifies the process too, because instead of, you know, throwing mud on the wall, trying to hit all these targets because you don't know what it is that the customer is really concerned about. When you get down to that deeper need, that one thing or that two things, that's really the issue for them. You just go this, how about this? And, you know, kind of present that issue and they go, yeah, that's it. Boom. Yeah. Done. Yeah. 
Does it yeah. make a difference in what the product is? So here's one of the things that I constantly am saying. So one of the things I work with the most is grief, grief and mm -hmm. loss. And so people are afraid of that because they know it's going to hurt. It really hurts to go through your grief journey mm -hmm. a lot. And you're going to go through it. It doesn't matter. You may not get to choose. <laughs> it might happen, right? I mean, like you mm -hmm. in the scuba incident, it was like, hey, you need here, pay attention. The world's saying, you know, come on, Jackie, you're not using your, your gift, right? Yeah. So one of the things that I struggle with the most with that is that people are like backing up. Oh, no, no, no. Because I am not going to blow fairy dust on you and tell you your life is going to be good. That is not my job. And mm -hmm. I'm actually not able to do it. But what I find is that people want to hear kind of sometimes, oh, yeah, here, yeah, no, here. For 777, you can have a free, you can live freedom. It's just simply not how it works. So does it no. matter on the product? Like, we're not talking about, okay, I've got to go to the grocery store because I need cream for my coffee. That's different, right? And that you don't see them jumping out going, hey, what kind of cream do you want? Hey, you want to look at these 10 bits? You know what I mean? I think everyone comes from a different place and you need to ask questions. And once you find out what the place is, then you can, you know, kind of fill that need. Everyone comes from a different place. You just have to ask the questions and then you answer what they need. And that's it. That simplifies it all. So you're not trying to make assumptions. Let me tell you a story. So my husband's cousin got married and they lived on the farm. They were building a new farmhouse and, you know, they were young. They were in their twenties. They had four kids and I made an assumption and as salespeople or as people who are selling, we often do that. We make assumptions all the time for people, right? And I assumed because they were young, because they were from the farm, because they have four kids and I know the family and I know the background and, you know, she wasn't working. I just assumed I was working for Kohler at the time. So Kohler kitchen faucets and plumbing, oh, wow. mm -hmm. it's expensive. Yeah. Yep. So she said, oh, well, you know, I'd like this kitchen faucet. And she was picking all the other stuff and she kind of picked like, you know, kind of moderately priced, you know, what we call builder priced stuff, the entry level stuff. And I'm like, okay. But when it came to this kitchen faucet, she picked a really expensive kitchen faucet. And I said, oh, you know, you, you don't want that one. And she goes, oh, yes, I do. And I said, oh, no, no, you don't want that one. <laughs> uh -oh. Yes, I do. And I'm like, well, you know, and I'm trying to be polite and, you know, and circle around it and said, no, you don't want that one. And finally, you know, that's a really expensive faucet. She goes, I know. And I looked at her and she goes, I knew a long time ago, since I was like a teenager, that I was going to build my own house one day on the farm. And I've been looking all my life. And this is the kitchen faucet that I've wanted forever. And I knew it was expensive. And I knew that when I built my house, this was the faucet I was going to get. And I want this faucet. And I was, you know, and shame, shame, shame on me. So you me. made the assumption she couldn't afford it? I made the assumption she couldn't afford it. Yeah. Isn't there some truth to say, though, even if you can't afford it, if you really see its value and you want it, you will buy it and you will find the money, correct? Exactly. It's, yeah. it's anything. If you yeah. see the value, you will find the money. We buy on emotion and justify with logic. doesn't matter what it is. If you see a shiny red sports car convertible and you see the value in it because you know you're going to be, your hair is going to be blowing in the wind and you're going to feel like you're 20 years old and you want it, yeah. 
and you've dreamt about it your whole life, you will find the money to pay for it. Yeah. It doesn't matter. But I made the assumption she couldn't afford it and shame on me. And we make assumptions all the time. And that's one of the things I do teach is don't make assumptions for people. And you have to ask the questions because everybody, everybody has different wants and needs and different reasons for buying whatever it is that you're doing. So you have to ask. Yeah, beautiful. This stuff's really interesting. Like for me, I always look at it from the the work that I do. And uh, I love that you said, you know, ask questions, so stay curious. And Mm -hmm. then the second one was listen. And Mm -hmm. it really does apply across the board to everything. And I Mm -hmm. think there's that notion when you're talking about sales that it's really hard. I find it really hard. It's kind of like, and so does that go down to what you think your worth is? Um, I, I think it's more about fear. I think it's more about stereotypes that we all think selling is sleazy. It's some core in our being because we've all had that sleazy salesperson running after us or calling us at six o'clock or, mm-hmm. you know, I think there is that fear. Oh, I can't sell. Right. I, I, salespeople are born. Yeah. I don't want to be, uh, that's I don't what wanna... I hear a lot. It's like natural born salesman. They could sell yeah. what ice to the whatever. No, yeah. I, and that's, that's where I'm, I, you know, that's my gift. I, I make selling simple and I can teach yeah. anybody. Yeah. I can teach anybody. If you follow you know, and I've made these simple little processes. If I can do it, anybody can do it. If I can teach all hundreds of people to do it, anybody can do it. And that's what I do well. And so it's these little processes that are really, really simple. And if you just follow them, anybody can do it. Mm-hmm. And it's that easy. You ask questions. How hard is it to ask questions, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, listen, actively yeah. listen, you know, <laughs> well, you how hard is that, me. right? Like, it's, <laughs> well, and to circle back to the beginning of, a, of this podcast is you asked a big question to be able to not end your life on this planet yet, right? And someone listened because <laughs> here someone you listened. are. Yeah. 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 Someone listened. So did that experience, did it change your life, Jackie? Oh, yeah. every day, every way, uh, the way I think, the way I feel. Um, I know I listen to all the signs and signals. You see, what people don't know is that a couple of years prior to that, I was going to the gym, I was working. Uh, I was director of sales and marketing for a large company. I was going to the gym one day. I tripped over my 120 pound dog in the, in the dark laundry room as I was going out to the garage. I tripped over my dog. I hit a high heel shoe. As I was going over, I landed on the high heel shoe. I impaled the bottom of my foot. As I came off the shoe, I broke all the bones across the top of my foot, ripped all the ligaments and tendons from my toes to the midfoot. And I ended up having um, two surgeries. I couldn't walk for or weight bear or drive or anything for seven months. I had two surgeries, two and a half year recovery. I lost my job. I basically retired. I gave up on life. I'm like, I lost my identity because who was Jackie without success? Prior to that, I was superstar. And when you lose your success, I had to discover, you know, I was, I I was basically invalid. I had my husband had to, my kids had to, you know, carry me around. I mean, I couldn't even go to the washroom, right? Like it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. 
one of the worst things you can do to your foot. The doctor said, you know, if I didn't have those surgeries when I had them, I, I might not be walking and oh you God. can't put any weight. And, and again, was I listening to the signs and signals? No. That was my next question was, so you didn't, and it's not a criticism, but you didn't get it then, but you get it now. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah. It really is, Jackie. I mean, you know, you, you know, one of the things I talk about a lot too is manifesting your life for what you want. You can do it. You need a certain amount of luck, but you need a lot of belief in yourself and you need a lot of, uh, what's the word, sweat equity in terms of, you know, whatever that life is for you, because you see it all the time, people, you know, def- let's, let's talk about defining success, whatever that is for everyone. And maybe someone else doesn't understand it, right? But at the end of the day, you can have all the money. Steve Jobs was, you know, he's the perfect person to say what he did at the end of his life. He realized at the end of his life, sadly, that the car he drove still drove him to work no different than anyone else's, right? And so, yeah, and I think that, so yeah, you did this to your foot and then, you know, the universe or whoever is like, um, excuse me. So it sounds to me like you're a little bit grateful for, for what that gave oh, you. Very grateful. Yeah. Success. I thought success was my achievement, my job, my title. After the scuba diving thing, all of that, everything became very, very hollow after those experiences. Success to me today is um, my family, my friends giving back. It's about um, my self-confidence, believing in myself, listening to the signs and signals, um, faith. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's about being genuine, authentic, real, vulnerable even. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, we had talked about that when we talked about the mask thing is it's really hard to let yourself be vulnerable. In, in, in not only in sales, it's like, here I am, I worked really hard to, and I'm, I'm offering you please don't slap my hands away. <laughs> and yeah. then when they do, it's like, okay, that's where you need to have the strength to go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like you said, it's not for that person. Good. Let's move on. Good Lord. There's 6 billion people on the planet or seven or however many we've got now. There's enough for everybody. Right. And <laughs> the thing yeah. is we've had, and I mean, everybody who I'm talking from my standards and living, being blessed to live in Canada there's mm. lots in the world where you're not blessed. These people are struggling every single day. And so I think, you know, with COVID, I think we've had a collective boot in a butt. It's like, get it together, right? And mm-hmm. I think people are running scared, for sure, because their way of life, what they've deemed successful may or may not be the case in, you know, another year from now. Who knows, right? Yeah. You don't want to be the doomsday say or whatever, but yeah, yeah it's true. And it's um, always a work in progress, you know, like yes. mm-hmm. it's always a work in progress for sure. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Jackie, if uh, someone goes to your uh, Facebook, uh, rainmakersgroup.ca, so that's R-A-I-N-M-A-K-E-R-S-G-R-O-U-P.ca backslash gift book, what do they get? Oh, if they go to my website, that's rainmakersgroup.ca gift book, they get a free downloadable copy of my book. My full scuba diving story is the introduction of the book. Plus they get all my sales stuff. There's tips, oh, there's stories, that. there's, oh, lots and lots of failure stories in there. Got, no, <laughs> they're not failures, they're opportunities. 
Yes, they're life lesson stories. No, yeah. there there's some great stories in there. Um, lots of lots of really I have a lot of people um put their input in there as well. It's it's been very well received, the book. So if you're, yeah. you know, a small business or privately owned business, medium size, any size, doesn't matter if you're solopreneur okay. to a big there's lots of stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. for you. And uh, it's called The Badass Guide to Superstar Sewing. It that is, is the best title ever. Oh, ever. thanks. Thanks. Jackie, thank you for sharing your story today. I mean, uh, I feel really lucky to have been able to have you on on this podcast because I've been me. chasing you for a while here. Oh. And we just couldn't seem to get it together. And uh, finally, Yay. But I, I can't wait to see what's next for you. I think it's great. I think you, um, like I said, you are highly regarded in, in your industry. And I love that. And I, you know, wish nothing but the very best for you. And I'm glad that you're not going to go scuba diving. But neither am I. So, yeah, <laughs> well, I don't want to scare you off. It's, no, no, it's okay. It's me. It's just me and my body that can't. But, I'll do uh, snorkeling, but I'm not doing yeah. scuba diving. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Helen. I could just talk to you all day long. It's always fun. It's always fun with you. We do. Okay. Uh, You have been listening to Sharing Stories with Helen Rose, and that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Sharing Stories with Helen Rose. To learn more about Helen's journaling retreats, speaking engagements, and life coaching, or to sign up for her newsletter, please visit HelenRose.ca. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating $1 million in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.